Black lives matter. Black lives do matter. Unfortunately, for many years, our lives haven't mattered much. You are listening to Padded Cell Podcast, a conversation around mental health. I'm your host, Anthony Oluwich. Well, um, Black Lives Matter means to me it's a movement which puts the lives, needs, aspirations, dreams, um, challenges of black people to the forefront. I think it's it's a it's a saying yes to ourselves as black people, um, and just saying no to all of the things that have made us to feel like you know stains on humanity. Um, I think the the word Black Lives Matter in on its own is is self-explanatory, right? Um, the one thing is that I exist in a body that society perceives as black. I don't, um, first of all, wake up and as I open my eyes, think, oh, welcome to the world, black body. And he pulled me over and said there was been a rash of, you know, bike thefts in this area. And I was like, uh-huh. And it, I, it was just, you know, one of those things you just knew better. But mm-hmm. growing up in the United States, you just know as a black male not to escalate the situation with the cop. I spoke to four different brilliant individuals. Michael James, born and raised in St. Petersburg, Florida, graduated from the University of South Florida where he received a Bachelor of Arts in Modern Dance Performance. He has danced with the Men Dancers of Jacob's Pillow International Touring Company, which allowed him to dance and teach in St. Petersburg, Russia. He previously has worked with numerous other high schools and colleges in the United States. These conversations are happening around the world. When you see the the protests that are happening in London, in, in, in Australia, what does that make you feel? That is different. Like when they, when we had the riots here in uh, Ferguson, it happened, you know, and I remember when the Rodney King beating happened and those cops got off and, you know, it, but this has a different feeling to it. And I really hope my, you know, I really hope it really leads to change. And Jeff and I even talked about this and say, yeah, but, you know, the cops, they're in, he's in, you know, custody now and whatever, he's got charged. I'm like, yes, but until, you know, they are convicted and I know that they're in jail for, you know, for life, basically, I won't be satisfied. So I'm trying to stay optimistic, but we've always seen, you know, these years past, you know, how some of these, these cops still get off somehow um, Mm -hmm. and still able to, you know, receive their pension. And there's, you know, there's no recourse of like, they don't, they don't worry about it, you know? So until I know that they're convicted and things that can really lead to some good change. So I'm, I'm trying to stay optimistic, optimistic, especially, you know, when we finally do get a chance to go back and, you know, teach face to face, I don't want to seem like I'm that angry black man to the, <laughs> kids, that I teach, to the kids that I teach. Cause you know, the majority of the kids that I teach are, you know, I mean, it's a good diverse group of kids that I teach, but there's some white kids in there and I want to make sure it's a teachable moment for them. Um, we don't we don't really talk about you know racial issues because they're basically high school age kids, right. but if they ask me questions, I want to be able to you know be genuine with them without scaring them. I guess. Trevon Moo is a queer space curator, social commentator, and performance artist. 
a queer protagonist who challenges societal norms and aims to change the acceptance of what gender and sexual norms are. Their art practice seeks to affect the vibrational space that is both bodily memory and anticipation. Trayvon seeks to unpack how the marginalized community can use spaces that employ sound and the movement of the body to express liberation, reject objectification, express joy, and decolonize struggle. The curator hopes to inspire a reflection on the political and collective imperatives of asserting one's identity to rage against homophobia and oppress policies, and to present acts of radical love and intimacy. They are professionally trained in strategic thinking, marketing, and a young performance artist. Black Lives Matter for me really stem from a a need or a, a desire to have the recognition and um, the equality that whiteness has occupied and controlled for generations upon generations. Um, I think it is about the desire to exist peacefully, the desire to exist in a world where your life is valid, your, your decisions have value. And this is the importance for Black Lives Matter for me. I think there's, 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 there's a, there's also a, a very different, there's also a different nuanced feeling for myself as a Black African. Because as a Black African, my threat to my Black existence does not come solely from, um, whiteness or structural whiteness. Yes, from an economic perspective, I think that there's a lot of work to be done in equalizing access points and um, from an economic perspective. But as a Black person in Africa, my Black life really is under threat from other Black, and I'm going to say this, other Black men. And it's, it's, Every day, waking up and walking in the streets, um, you are fully aware of the lack of safety that we feel and just that problem that we have in in really fearing black men is is a societal cancer, something that um, we can't walk away from, something that we can't excuse. And as an African, it's something that we really do need to address. So as the importance of black lives, there's two, it's two pronged in short. One is from an economic perspective against white structures and two from a safety perspective against black men specifically. Kim Reynolds is a critical media scholar, writer, and artist from Cincinnati, Ohio, in the United States. Based in Cape Town, her work comes in the form of writing, narrative, poetry, and political journalism, producing and organizing and prioritizing the advancement of black queer thought and people. Reynolds is a member of the U.S.-based research and organizing collective Our Databases. So I think Black Lives Matter is affirmatively saying that um, our lives matter, but so much so that we also are actively working to dismantle the systems that make our lives to not matter. So I think that it's it can be stretched quite far 
and that it can have a an international orientation um, if we if we so choose. We can connect Black Lives Matter um, to you know U.S. and and uh, American imperialist practices in the Middle East through you know under the guise of foreign affairs um, or foreign policy, um, or we can talk about the kinds of uh, iterations of colonialism that take shape in the forms of the International Monetary Fund, um, the kinds of ways that neo-colonialism is still performed. So, yeah, I think Black Lives Matter um, is has a, a potential as a, as a political statement. And then within that, there's also just us as Black people in, in however ways we exist, you know, um, in the immensely ordinary to the very, you know, fine-crafted uh these kinds of podcast moments, you know, so our, our joy matters, our ambiguity matters, our, you know, our aunties, our cousins, our mothers, our siblings, you know, like it's, it's a, I don't know. I think it's, it's a collective ownership of us in a lot of ways is how I think of Black Lives Matter. Mark Thompson has worked in health promotion, public health and social justice movements for over 25 years His work has focused on black and queer communities, sexual health, and HIV. He is particularly interested in the intersection of race, sexuality, and HIV. Mark is a co-founder of Prepster, a community-based intervention that aims to educate and dedicated to working and building safe spaces for black gay men. Mark is currently the director of the Love Tank, a not-for-profit community interest community that promotes health and well-being of underserved communities through education, capacity building, and research. Um, it's something that started in the US in the mid 2014-15, um, probably just mm. before that, after the um the killings of uh, young black men, unarmed black men in the States and has grown from there. And I became quite involved, not in the movement um, as such, but became a supporter of it. And as a black gay man myself, um, felt it was really important to be putting our lives at the front and centre when they'd been neglected willfully and otherwise for so very long. Um, I also believe that black lives matter should be inclusive of all black life. So that's regardless of age, sexuality, gender, HIV status, employment, um, you know, wherever we sit on the class structure, it's about all of our lives being important and being lifted up and being able to achieve the best that we can. Now, Black Lives Matter has often been countered by the phrase all lives matter or blue lives matter. I have a problem with that. It's not that I don't believe that all lives do matter. I actually do. But when those phrases are used as a response to Black Lives Matter, I have a problem. See, when I fight for the rights of LGBTQ people, I don't do it because the rights of everyone else are not important. I do it because LGBTQ people have faced so much discrimination and stigma and hate that it makes it important to me. It, it makes it important for me to highlight the fact that LGBTQ people are being oppressed in society. It does not mean that LGBT people are more important than everyone else. 
It simply means that LGBT people are suffering and society should give LGBTQ people the rights they deserve on account of simply being human, just like everybody else. When I say black lives matter, I don't mean that only black lives deserve to be taken into consideration. I don't mean that only black people should be given the time. I mean that black people are being treated different on account of our race. Black people are being killed simply due to the fact that we are black. Black people are being discriminated against because we are black. Black people are being tortured. We have police called on us. We, we are treated as less than human just because we are black. Now you very likely will not see this because you do not do these things to black people, but mainly because you cannot and would not experience what it means to be a black person. When you say all lives matter, I don't hear what it's meant to be, that every single life actually matters, not because I do not want to, but because it is said in response to Black Lives Matter. It, it negates black people's lived experiences. It looks to the systemic racism that you cannot deny exists in this life we live in and says, hey, why don't we ignore that and consider all of us as one? When you say all lives matter in response to Black Lives Matter, it silences me as a black person, seeing and watching lives of people who look like me being taken just because they look like me. See, I, I actually agree with you. I agree with you that all lives do matter. But when some of those lives that matter are systematically being disregarded, then we absolutely must highlight that fact and try to bring back to, and try to bring back the balance. If your first instinct on seeing my house burning is to prevent your house from catching fire instead of helping put out the fire in my house, then that really isn't a world I would like to exist in. <laughs> um, well, I think it's it's. Um it's reactionary. It's uh, racist. I think it just it, it defines, um, or it really personifies. Um, it, it it just it personifies the the commitment to white supremacy. Um, if if one is to hear Black Lives Matter, if one is to just take you know a um, just a young five minutes to read. Black, you know, a statement that is associated with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, or is to, you know, um, just look critically at the history of the United States, even for just, you know, five minutes, um, one would understand where Black Lives Matter emerges from and the importance of it and what it's trying to do. Um, but instead, uh, is therefore a reactionary protection of, of white supremacy and white feelings, or more so or in addition, a protection of, of the status quo. Um, you know, James Baldwin really beautifully said, um, or kind of posed the question, why did you why did you need a nigger in the first place? Um, and that's a question that that America must ask itself, and that it's never it's never ready to to answer. Um, so if someone is to say that my life matters because it has 
been systemically shown to have not mattered and to have been brutally attacked, completely underpinned by white supremacy and white dominance and this need to impose inferiority on others. And all anyone has to say in response is, well, my life matters too. Well, then, <laughs> you know, it's, it's at a loss and you demonstrate exactly where you stand in terms of understanding humanity and history uh, within the United States, but also globally. Fuck all lives matter. <laughs> and and I'm saying this in the in the nicest way, Oliver. I'm saying it. Um, yes, yes, white lives matter. Yes, um, yes, um, white female lives matter. But in a history that has put white lives at the forefront. Yes, but the, you know, in South Africa specifically, we we are seeing you know um, the the rhetoric that farm murders. There hasn't been a there hasn't been so much um, emphasis put on farm murders. So how can we how can we um, say that Black Lives Matter when these white farmers' lives don't matter? When white lives are being systematically eradicated as black lives have been eradicated over the last 300 to 500 years, then all lives will matter. When the numbers are scaled to a to a proportionate level um, of the murders of black lives, then all lives will matter. When the economic access of black lives equals that of white lives, then all lives will matter. For now, black lives, black trans lives really do matter. You're still saying that black lives don't matter to you. I mean, you just try to counter and say, well, but all lives matter. Yeah, they do matter. But right now, black lives don't matter enough. Like we're getting gunned down like it's nothing. And I don't know if you heard where you are, but in the past month, there's been two lynchings in the U.S. It's 2020. And then, of course, you know, they're saying it was suicide. What black person running around here swinging from a damn tree saying, this is how I'm going to go out? That's not, come on. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but lynchings in the U.S., that is like, <laughs> if I'm, I mean, I, I feel, I hope that's not, I just, I just feel like it's a cop out. Like, I don't, I don't see a black person saying, you know, this is how, no, there's just, I can't, my mind doesn't want to believe that, you know? There's a, there's a history with lynchings in the Yeah, US. so the fact that we're finding, you know, these people being lynched in the past month, that's just, just not it. So we just, all lives matter, yes, but until Black lives matter on a level of white lives, you know, I don't, I don't, you can't say to me, all well, all lives matter. And then the same thing, you know, I have friends that are, you know, cops and what, you know, the whole thing, they should say, well, blue lives matter. I'm like, yeah, you're right. But sometimes these blue lives are taking black lives like it's, you know, Skittles. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter to them. We saw that with George Floyd. That man, you know, had no, <laughs> he looked at the camera like that was his, you know, everyday job. Like that's, that's what I do. I'm going to kill this man right here and y'all going to watch me do it. Like he had, he was not scared of nobody, you know, yeah. that's until we can get that out of that kind of brutality and treatment. 
out of the out of the world, then I can say yes, all lives matter. But it doesn't. That's just a cop out for someone to say that to me. And uh, what do you think about the phrase "all lives matter"? <laughs> I don't. I don't think because <laughs> I, I don't give it the energy, right? Because I know I know yeah. the place it comes from. I know it's either willful ignorance, ignorance, or out and out racism and spite. And as I don't try to engage in that or try to correct people, I think the the last time I pulled somebody up or corrected somebody around all lives matter was probably 2014. And I've never done it since then and I won't do it now. And I try not to have that in my circle. So when I see, and, and again, you know, it's a generational thing. I see lots of my younger friends having those conversations and that's great and they should do. That's not a conversation I need to be having with white folk. And then there is something that most people don't think about. They post pictures on social media, graphic pictures showing the matter of George Floyd. They say things like, this Black Lives Matter thing is now too much. I'm tired. They say these things without thinking at all what they mean to the black people reading them. We do exist. We see your posts. We see the utter disregard to our lived experience. What you say, what you post, what you are silent about does affect our mental health. Hmm. Um, I think it's... It's never easy. Um, I think, you know, the word heavy isn't isn't quite descriptive enough of what, you know, what this experience is. But to live in America is to live in the teeth of a country, you know, that is always aiming at you, you know, that is, that is quite ready to spit on your grave at any moment. So, you know, I think when you come to that realization in and of itself, you know, I mean, be, before George Floyd, I mean, we can name, you know, 30 plus people who have died at the hands of the police. And, and if it's not the police, then it's other random vigilante killings of people, right? It's, it's Ahmaud Arbery who is jogging, right? It's Trayvon Martin has a packet of Skittles. It's Tyree King in Columbus. It's Tamir Rice in Cleveland who is playing with a BB gun. It's, and, and it's all of these kinds of things. So it's, it's immensely devastating to, to just exist and know that that in and of itself attracts violence to you. Um, and it's, and it does take a huge toll on your mental health. You never want to normalize that reality, even though that is the reality that we have in front of us. Um, and I, and I think that, yeah, at these times it's really hard. I mean, it's just, it's just hard. Um, but I think the things that can, that help me as a black person is trying to remember kind of what my what my role is to play, what my contribution is, because I think it becomes very exhausting and also unsustainable to, you know, in these moments of uprising, it's very difficult to, to get a grip on what's happening in, you know, 30 plus cities across, you know, 50 states in the United States, you know. Um, we, there's no ways of kind of tracking and making sense of that because there's so much happening even within just one protest in one small town, for example. So... Um, like my mental health, I think is 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 informed by this immense sadness and grief, and it's also informed by the the sturdiness of people who have fought and the people who who you know try and make sense of this life. Um, and and also, I mean, it's been said by so many people, but it's important that our joy is preserved, that our joy is understood. You know. 
um, and that we celebrate people in their life. We celebrate Brianna Taylor as a person, you know, we celebrate her in her life, not in her death. You know, if we only reduce black people to, to their death, then that's somewhat of a disservice we do for ourselves, you know? Um, so I think that, yeah, it takes a huge toll on one's mental health because you start to think about the, the reality of your own life, but also just how ugly this world is. But I think the things that can make it sturdy or that can, you know, kind of um, help each other is just seeing that also the immense strides, the beautiful creations we've made out of, you know, throughout history. We have, you know, beautiful things like vogue, voguing and, and ball culture, you know, that emerges out of a black queer context. You have, you have, um, you know, we have just very like the simple mundane things. We have hair, we have hair practices, we have songs, we have, you know, game nights, we have all of these kinds of things that, you know, that we know that we are human beings as much as everyone else, you know, doesn't want to uh, admit or would prefer not to see. Um, so those kinds of things that always remembering that we have our own humanity and that we must look out for one another and always do, do right by each other. Those are the things that I think help with the, with the grief and that, and the white hot rage, you know. What does that make you feel? How, how does that, how, how does that affect your mental health? I have to, um, I have to put it in a certain. I did. What's it called? Decompartmentalize um, it. You know what I mean? Like I have to like, because I we have friends that we hang out with. You know, almost every weekend, and it's a white straight couple. They're cool, whatever. But sometimes we get in these. I call them um, heated discussions, and he likes a good argument. He's a lawyer, also. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. You know, just like he said, you know, would you feel comfortable, you know, taking a jog around Lake Yola, which is downtown Orlando? And I said, no. He said, even in the broad daylight. I said, this, I said, the way our country is right now, no. It's like, why is that? I'm like, we had to have this conversation. I'm like, you will never know how I feel because you can never be who I am, mm-hmm. you know? And being gay, like, we, we've been having, you know, black trans women being murdered like it's nothing here and no one cares, you know. And that's the thing that kind of upsets me about um, black people in general. You're going to have to start making sure you include all your brothers and sisters, gay, trans, you know, non-binary. You just can't say black lives matter, but y'all stay over there where you are, trans people, because we don't even know who you are. We don't want to deal with that. That's a whole nother level of racial injustice within our own people Mm -hmm. you know like we don't we can't deal with that but we have to deal with all of it we we just can't have well just the black people you know that it's okay no it has to be all of us so yeah it's uh it's 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 a it's an interesting time to be living in right now i never thought um I, i don't know what i thought Honestly, when 2020 started, it was going to be like this. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone expected it to be like yeah, this. Yeah, it's just crazy. So, I mean, you know, I mean, here's the thing, right? Is It's about humanity. It's about understanding people that are beside you and walking and, and struggling and all, all of that. But it's not, I, I think the reason why white folk won't listen and is because they're not stupid. They've got access to great educational systems and all of these, all of these things. But it's about power. So if I if I listen to this, if I accept that Black Lives Matter, 
then there's a reason why black lives haven't been mattering. There's a reason why these people are complaining about these statues and making all the noise. What's that all about? So if I pause and I listen for a minute, then I have to accept that the world is pretty bad and I've benefited, played a part in that. And for that to change, I'm going to have to give up some power. Who wants to give up power? Right? If it's benefited you all these years, if it's benefited you for centuries and it's going to, and actually, as is human nature, the only thing you can imagine when you lose power is to be powerless, why would you give that up? So I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But these people have been programmed. This is a four, five hundred propaganda project, four, four five hundred year project. So we're asking and expecting people to undo stuff where they're never going to do it. It's going to concede too much. So it's exhausting. It's tiring. And that's why I go back to what I do in my own work, which is to empower us to make sure that we as people of color, as black people in particular, are safe but also that we, we're looking after ourselves, that we have the ability to practice self-care, that we have the ability to have joy, to look after each other, to find pleasures in life, because the world is really, really tough. The world really is tough. And as a black person, as black folk, constantly bombarded by images of people who are murdered just because they look like us, constantly told that the movement that you're fighting for doesn't really matter and that there are other things that we should be fighting for constantly told that you are wrong for highlighting the incredibly evident systemic racism in the world that you live in there are ways to deal with the mental anguish that you will obviously face one thing you should never forget ever is that you are not alone well, the first thing is, I mean, you know, stop looking at all the images. <laughs> you know, it, it's really, I mean, it's those, it's those little things, okay? So, you know, the, the, in this particular time, if we're talking about this moment where we are coming out and dealing with COVID and we're dealing with the, you know, the upswing of the Black Lives Matter protests and stuff around the world and the murders and all that, th- there is a really practical thing that you can do, which is to take yourself away from it for a while. The world will keep spinning. Your your Insta feed will be refreshed with new stuff that was there last week. So your Twitter. So there's a really practical stuff that one can do to just remove yourselves from that, which is I, I've you know really made an effort to do that. But I think on a more macro level, on a deeper level, there is something around you know connecting with each other in a really safe way, finding ways to talk about stuff which isn't going on right now. And if you can, if you, if you can't avoid that, then to try to think about, you know, the, the good things from our history. Um, talk about the books that you love, the music that you love, the art that you love. I mean, they sound really simple, but those are the things where I found joy and pleasure recently, you know, is to just go, actually, the world exists outside of all of this. Mm-hmm. I watch a lot of dance videos and listen to Mm. good music that allows me to, if I have any kind of like emotions that I need to not let sit and fester inside of my soul, I just let it out. Uh, Whether I'm crying in the shower or watching Mm -hmm. something that just makes me feel a lot better um, or just, you know, or just blowing off steam, talking to a friend, you know, whatever that may be. Um, Because I'm good for sometimes like 
hanging on to stuff and not letting it out. Oh my gosh. Um, stuff like that. And I love music, so I'm a dancer. So I, I tend to, you know, just listen to stuff that eases my mind. <laughs> you know, just puts me in a better place. You know. I started this episode by saying Black Lives Matter. I end it by saying Black Lives Matter. Don't discredit my existence by adding, what about? Those things that you're what abouting, yes, they do exist. But today, right now, right this moment, can we just look at the systems that have meant that I cannot take a ride on my bike without worrying that I'll be pulled over or killed? Can we not look at the issues that matter right now? Make that difference. And then we can tackle your issue that really also does matter. Thank you, Mark, Kim, Trevon, and Michael for agreeing to do this with me. You're all amazing black folk and I love you from the bottom of my heart.